we talked last week, um, the Christmas season is here. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a ginormous tree behind me. And uh, man, this season is just awesome. Uh, we had a wedding here Friday, or Saturday, excuse me, did the rehearsal. I walked in, I said, that thing's cool, can I steal it? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, I'm not kidding. I might not ever give it back. And I said, that, is the, that, is, that thing is awesome. Can we, can we have it? Can we use it? And they're like, yeah. And they had this cool little table underneath of it. And I was like, we'll put these candles underneath of it. It's going to be awesome. I got here this morning. That was there. The little table was gone. So I made my own little table. Um, but the Christmas season here, it was so cool to, uh, to witness people uh, coming together and being united in that symbolic expression of marriage and then having the opportunity uh, to just be a part of that, that service was awesome. And so the Christmas season is among us, and man, it is, it is picking up some steam. And we talked a little bit last week, one of the biggest things that the enemy would love for us to focus on in this Christmas season is that he would like for us to be distracted from what really is important. Uh, on Christmas. He would like for us to really just kind of move our attention and move our focus over to all the busyness, all the hustle, all the bustle, all the things that are going on. He says, man, anything to distract you away from Jesus would be great. And so we want to keep our attention. We want to keep our focus. We want to keep our attitude and our hearts directly centered upon what this word says and how we can prepare for this season, okay? So uh, I want to explain one more time Uh, what we are talking about when we get into the Advent in regards to a symbolic expression of what it means to look forward to Jesus came and Jesus coming again. And so last week we talked about the first candle, which represents the anticipation that Christ is coming again. He already came once. He came in a manger. We know that. We have it in the Bible. We have tons and tons and tons of evidence that this is a true story. It's a true statement. And then he's going to come again. Behold, he comes riding on the, everybody knows that, riding on the clouds. At the trumpet sounds. Some of you guys are like, yeah, I got it. Some of you guys are like, what? Is that a new song? No, it's not. It's a very old song, okay? We talked about him coming. Now, a lot of this symbolic expression depends on how you grew up. And so what we're doing is we're culminating all this information, okay? Depending on the church that you came from or denominations or whatever, or maybe even religions, we look at it and we understand this is simply a symbol of our preparation for the season, okay? It has no merit when we light this candle, no like magic happens and stuff like that. It's just us focusing our attention and focusing our hearts on preparing for the season. So the first candle that we talked about was that Christ came and that he is coming again. We lit another candle this week because we understand uh, that we have hope and we need to prepare for not only the fact of remembering that Christ came, but prepare for the fact that he is coming again. And when we say he's coming again, you say amen. So he is coming again? That means you agree, okay? So our our brother Jack, who went to go be with the Lord, he'd be like, how can you remain silent about that, right? I mean, he would be like, wow, what? Church, I don't think you have any idea what you're uh, missing right now, okay? And so we say, man, he is coming again. We will be united with our brothers and sisters who have gone before us to be with the Lord, okay? Third candle um, depends on where you came from. Sometimes there's three of them. Sometimes there's four of them. Sometimes there's five of them. Sometimes there's this neat little thing uh, that's got seven of them up on top of it. We won't talk about that today, okay? Um, 
But the third candle would be a joy. And so we want to have joy for this season. We'll talk about that next week. The fourth candle represents purity. The fact that Jesus was uh, pure and the fact that we have the opportunity to love him because he is pure. And then that last candle is usually white, sits in the middle of that. And that is to distinguish all the other candles. And oftentimes they light it on Christmas Eve. And that represents that Christ is a fulfillment of what was promised to us in the Bible. Okay, so again, just an expression, just a, a physical, symbolic expression of how we prepare for this season. All right, sometimes there's a wreath in it, and that talks about Christ's perfection and his completeness. And again, depending on where you grew up, uh, those could have different forms. That's kind of where we're landing at in our preparation for the season. You guys, good? Okay, say yes. Okay, you guys, good? Behold, he is coming again. Amen. See, it's not that hard. It's, it's fun to talk back to the pastor. This section does a great job of it. I love it. I can just hear him in my ear all the time. They're like, yeah, I got it. Preach on. Okay, that like, winds me up. That gets me going. So we look at uh, week two, the candle of hope, and let's prepare our hearts, and let's look at this in uh, Luke chapter three, and let's just ver- uh, read verse three. This is what it says. <clears throat> and um, Kevin did phenomenal with all of those uh, names. So, and he went into all the region around the Jordan. That's not me, okay? That's around the Jordan. That's a landmark, okay? Proclaiming a baptism of what? Okay, so he is who? John, John the Baptist, okay? So it says, and he, John the Baptist, came, and what happened was he came And he went into the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He didn't didn't have the ability to forgive sin, but he is preparing the way for a guy who would come. And that guy who would come's name is? So he says, here I am and I'm going to prepare the way for Jesus to come for you who can wash away sins. Now, this is huge for us, and we'll get to it in just a second, but the first thing that we have to do to prepare for this season, this Christmas season, number one, if you're taking notes, is we have to prepare by repenting of what we have done. Because we've missed, oftentimes we've missed what God has done for us. We get busy all year long. We miss what God has done in our lives. We miss all these little minor details of him moving and working and shifting and shaping our hearts and our lives. We missed what he's done. We got so caught up with ourselves in the year. And some of you guys are like, I don't really get caught up with myself. If I looked at your Amazon wish list or your Christmas list or any other list that you've made, I would say you've probably gotten caught up a little bit in yourself, right? And if you wouldn't admit to it, your spouse is probably sitting there going, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, absolutely. They got caught up in their self. So we prepare by repenting. Again, that's not necessarily a bad thing, okay? So don't like get really mad at me being like, Jordan says Christmas's presents are evil. I didn't say that. Feel free to send me Christmas presents. I got an Amazon wish list too, okay? Don't judge. (laughs) Don't judge, okay? It is what it is. We're all working together to become more like Jesus, Okay, we're all in process. We talked about that a little bit, all right? So we prepare by repenting on where we've been off base. John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. Okay, John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. And his sole message, I would even go so far as to say that John the Baptist's life mission, the point why he lived, was to prepare the way for Jesus to come and have the ability to forgive 
our sin. His whole life's work, his whole state of being was to prepare for Jesus to come. What a task. What a task. Now, I would say, follow me here for a second, that you guys are living this life to prepare for somebody else to come into the family of God. Maybe more, maybe there's one, maybe there's two, maybe there's three people, but I think that God, when he tells us in Matthew 28 to go therefore and make disciples, he legitimately and specifically states that your job as a Christian is to prepare, in other words, make easy the path for somebody else to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and we miss it. We miss it all the time. And so, as the people were in anticipation that this Messiah would come and save. They repented from themselves. And I want to know what is so important about repentance. In other words, how do I do it? How do I really truly repent? What does that look like? Well, let's walk on this. Uh, a couple of things, okay? Repentance does a couple of things. And I want you to, uh, I don't know if this is in your notes or not. Maybe, this, oh, it is. Awesome. Well planned as the pastor this morning. And, um, So it does a couple of things. First thing that it does is that when we repent, it opens up our ability to have a better relationship with our creator. When we repent, it opens up our ability to have a better relationship with our creator. Now, you guys who are married understand this completely. Have you ever had a fight and the communication lines are closed and you understand that with one word, you can reopen the communication lines and things will get better? How many of you? Uh, uh, Yes? God, he is coming again? Okay, there, that's how I get you to say amen. All of a sudden, it takes one action, usually on our part, to say one little word, which is, I'm sorry. Hey, my bad, right? This is what I did. This is where I fell short. This is, this is what I did. And all of a sudden, the communication lines are then reestablished and reopened. And usually, the other person, I don't know about your marriage, but this is how it works. My, and usually, in the other uh, party, they'll go, oh, it was my bad. No, it was my fault. And then we get up into a fight about whose fault it really was. And then I go, it was your fault. <laughs> and we just accept it. And then we're back. Communication lines are closed. Okay, but usually when we say, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do this, what happens is those communication lines get reestablished and get reopened. So some of you guys are in a relationship with Jesus Christ and the communication lines are closed because you close them off because you don't have the ability to say, I'm And that's sad. That's really sad. Because it's so easy because God's like, I know. (laughs) Right? It's his first word out of his mouth, I know. I know what you did, I know where you're at, I know that you're sorry, and I understand let's reestablish our relationship with get, uh, together. He says, hey, I understand that you were off base, you haven't been in my word for a month, uh, two months, a year, two years, I understand, I know. So let's open this relationship back up. It says uh, in Luke chapter 3, flee from the wrath to come. John the Baptist's message, message, flee from the wrath to come. Repent, open back up the communication lines with God. Number two, it causes the angels to rejoice. Now, we got some brothers and sisters who've gone before us. They're with the Lord right now, and the angels want to rejoice. It says in the Bible, the angels can't stop rejoicing. They just get louder and louder and louder and louder. All right, they blow trumpets and they're musicians. And when a sinner repents, 
from themselves and comes to embrace a relationship with Christ, all of a sudden the angels are like, woo, party. It's kind of like this. Watch. Ready? Let's see. You can join in with me on this one. You ready? Go ahead and put your nose down for a second. I'll show you how this works. Ready? Put your hands like this. This is how this works. This works every single time. doesn't matter where you're at. You can do it uh, at your Christmas parties or wherever. It goes like this. Okay, so what happens is, no, 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 don't, don't pick up your nose just yet, okay, hold on. What happens is the sinner comes into the fold and says, dear Lord, and all of a sudden, I'm sorry, I want to reestablish my relationship with you, I want to get back on the same page with you, I want to rejoice with you, I want to come to heaven, I want to be in glory with you, and the angels are like, yay! That's cool, you didn't expect that when you came to church this morning, did you? See, what happens is it opens back up the relationship for God. The angels are rejoicing. Everybody's going nuts in heaven, and we're sitting here going, what is really happening inside of my soul? I feel like something is different. It is different, okay, because it is essential for the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us when we repent of our sins, and when the angels start rejoicing, something starts happening in here, and we just, we don't know what to do. Uh, Bethany tells me this is called the wiggles. You guys have kids? They get the wiggles, Went to this reception last night, and uh, the kids are kind of getting a little crazy, and Bethany and them leave. I have no idea where they went. And she comes back in. I said, where'd you go? The kids are sitting uh, uh, quietly and peacefully. She said, we had to go get out the wiggles. I said, what do you mean you had to go get out the wiggles? She said, we went into the lobby of the restaurant, and we wiggled. (laughs) That's what they did. I said, I wanted to come with. Why didn't I get to come with? She says, I don't know. I said, I got the wiggles, so I went out there, did it by myself, and it just looks weird. But that's what we, I mean, the Holy Spirit starts working in us and through us, and we're like, man, I gotta touch somebody. I gotta tell somebody about Jesus. I gotta prepare the way. This is what John is doing. See, his communication line with Jesus and with God the Father is so open that the angels are rejoicing so loud that he says, man, I I gotta do something. I gotta do something. This is how you should be after church on Sunday morning. You should be like, man, Jordan's sermon was good. It came from the Bible. It was all about what Jesus was talking about. I gotta go do something. I got the wiggles. Right? This is what you should do. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. It says, repent and you will receive, initially when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, the free gift of the Holy Spirit. John is preparing the way and he says, look what is going to happen to you guys when you repent. Look at what is going to happen. You're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because John's initial action of preparing the way for the sinner is first of all repentance to come to know God the Father through his son Jesus Christ. The second thing is that the Christian, okay, will have the opportunity to continue to repent so that they can continue to mature in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Because the next thing, it's the inability, if we choose not to repent, produces death. And some of you guys know all about this. Some of you guys know this better than anybody else because there's somebody else in your life or in your family or whatever and you just look at him you're like man his heart is hard he just like uncle jim just can't understand what jesus is all about you probably have a relative or a family member or somebody who you look at and you're like they just don't get it i don't understand why they don't get it sunday mornings i work out uh, at the gym i go at uh like five in the morning because i get the wiggles okay and uh i got i got i gotta get out or else i'm crazy mess up here, okay? And I'm standing next to me and this other guy. We work out. We're the only nutcases at the gym. 
at quarter to five in the morning. And uh, it's, it's kind of been cool to get to know this guy. He goes to a different church. And we start talking today about uh, his relationship with Jesus Christ. And I said, when did you come to know Christ? Because I already asked him where he went to church. And he didn't say community gospel. So I didn't talk to him for about 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> I went off, did my th- neat. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden I came back and I repented of my sin. And I said, hey, um, so tell me, when did you come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? He says, hey, I got to tell you about that. He said, um, I was a Jehovah Witness for 40 years. I mean, I'm like in the middle of doing my leg workout. I'm like, dang, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's an awkward moment. Anytime you're talking to somebody at the gym, it's weird. You're like, cool, man. That's awesome, all right? So I'm like, whoa, 40 years you spent as a Jehovah Witness. He said, yeah. I said, what did it? He says, well, you know, he kind of likes to work out, and he was at one of these places, and uh, there was a guy who was sitting next to him, and uh, the guy who was sitting next to him just kind of was, he says, this is his words, not mine, he says he was planting seeds. And I said, and in my mind I'm going, this is a sermon illustration today, straight from Jesus Christ himself. Thank you, Lord, for making me get up. And he says, he says, he just was planting seeds, one seed after another after another. And I said, so that guy didn't lead you to the Lord? He says, no. He said, I got another buddy who led me to the Lord. I said, so you're telling me that one guy prepared your way, the other guy just opened the door. He says, yeah, you could say that. I said, isn't it amazing to think that that one guy who prepared your way, that could have been his whole purpose for being alive. He said, man, I never thought about it like that. And so what happens is the inability or the ability to have eternal life comes from repentance. The inability to repent results in eternal death, separation, hell. And so what happens is, follow me here for a second, church, is even the hardest heart, even the person who you think is so far gone can still accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior if you continue to prepare the way. Never give up on Aunt Jill or Uncle Jim or whatever. When you start going to Christmas parties and you look at that guy across, uh, across the way and you say, man, there's no way that Frank or, or whoever will accept Jesus, don't, don't do that. Because you have the ability as a Christian to prepare the way, which is the opportunity, just like John, to offer somebody to come into a relationship with Christ when you communicate the gospel. Why? Last thing. Because God wants us to. It's his whole reasoning. That's his whole push. Why don't you just let me go away? I mean, if I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, don't I just get to fly? I mean, isn't just like, okay, I accept him, and then all of a sudden I'm here. Why am I here? Why do I exist? Why am I in this place? Well, let me tell you, because God wants you to prepare the way for somebody else to come to know him as Lord and Savior. Matthew 28, go therefore and make Somebody who would repent of their sins and come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. If we look at the, the word, what it says, Second Peter, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, because we're not very patient people, are we? Oh, man, I'm not patient. Hey, you want to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? No. <clears throat> right? That, I mean, that just grinds my gear. Are you, are you, how about now? No. Okay. Be back later. He says he's not slow to fulfill his promise. He works in his own time, but he's patient towards you, not wishing that you should perish, but that all, this is the key word in 2 Peter, that all should reach repentance. That all, God's desire is that we all would repent. 
He says, that's what I want more than anything else is for you to prepare the way for somebody else to come to a relationship of knowing me. True repentance never exists except in conjunction with faith. I love this quote. It says, well, on the other hand, wherever there is true faith, there is also real repentance. The two are but different aspects of the same turning, a turning away from sin in the direction of God, and the two cannot be separated. They are simply complementary parts of the same process. To repent, follow me church, is to have faith, and to have faith is to repent. He is coming again. Right? So what do we do? How do we, how do we prepare for this? We prepare by repenting. Man, Lord, you are greater than I am. You are more powerful than I am. I constantly turn my focus away from you. And when I repent in faith, I believe that you know and I believe that you care. And so you embrace me and you love me regardless of all the junk in my life. Look at some application here. Repentance is an outward picture of an internal change of your heart. And so at this time of the season, we either first repent and accept Christ. Maybe this is the first time you've even heard about Jesus Christ. Today, you repent and you say, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I confess my sins and I come into the family of God. And we would say, yeah, because all of a sudden we'll start clapping for you. We get really excited when that happens. A little bit nerve-wracking, but that's okay. You get excited when babies are born. We get excited when Christians are born. I mean, we love that stuff. When we see people go into the baptism, we're like, that is cool. Because we know that what's happening there is somebody is repenting. They're having an internal change, and they're, they just they got the wiggles. They can't help but show it. They can't help but share it. That's why lifestyle evangelism drives me nuts. Because your lifestyle is useless without the communication that comes from your mouth. I got to be able to talk about what I'm doing. So I talk about what I'm doing. Hey, Jordan, why did you go help that old lady cross the street? Because Jesus died on the cross for my sins. See, that's how it works. We repent of ourselves and turn into a relationship with Christ. Okay, so maybe it's your first time. Maybe you want to come to Jesus. Do it. Don't let anybody else hinder you from that. Maybe you're a Christian. You've been here a long time. So what we have to do is we have to restore our relationship with Jesus Christ and celebrate this season in joyful communion with the Savior because he's in a relationship with us. Thank you, right? This is like when your parents pay for your college education, you say, thank you. I mean, that's a huge weight lifted off your shoulders. So I've been told. Okay, if we don't turn and access this relationship, we're falling short. And so, look at those things one more time and make them personal to you as we continue this morning, okay? Repent of sin and come to knowing the fullness of a relationship with Christ and overcome death's power. Read the the story this year. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they record the story of how Jesus came. Rejoice as you're reading the story. Repent so that the angels can rejoice. You want them to be silent or you want them to go crazy? I love when God goes crazy. That's cool. Things start happening in my, in my life. You want something to happen in your life? Repent. Turn from your selfish ways and turn into the hands of your Savior. 
What else do I do? Repent so that the spirit can work. Some of you guys are looking at me and you go, man, Jordan, Jesus just doesn't feel like he's moving and he's working in my life. Yeah, because you got a bunch of sin that's just been kind of piling up over and over and over again and you're so far turned away from Jesus Christ that you don't want to turn back around and give him everything that you got because Jesus says, I don't want 10% of you. I want the whole thing. I want everything. I want all of you. I want, I want the whole thing. Why? Because I died on the cross for your sins, so you got to give me everything, because I gave you everything. He gave you the keys to the kingdom, so if the Spirit needs to work, we got to turn. we got to repent. Okay? What else? Repent and believe that Christ has come. He's going to come again. Jesus is coming again soon. See, we get excited about that. We're like, wow, he's coming back again soon. Did you know? I Some people I didn't know. I didn't know Jesus was coming back again soon. I just thought I'd live this life and then I'd die. No, he's coming back again soon, okay? Repent to be fully prepared to worship for the returning of the Lord. I love what Jonathan just said. Close your eyes and experience what music is really all about. Lift your hands in the air and say, man, I'm just gonna let go. I'm just gonna let God. I don't know how many times I do that in the week. Just let go and let God. Just let go and let God. It's awesome. Why? Because I'm preparing in here for how I'm going to be preparing out there for somebody else to come to know the Savior that lives in here. See, this is just preparation. Why do we gather at church on Sunday? Why are we here? Why do we shake hands and do weird things? Because it's preparation for what's going to go on out there. It's preparation for ways that we're going to impact our community. It's preparation for how we're going to make the road a little smoother for somebody else. You know, it's hard. I don't know if you guys knew this or not. You know how hard it is for somebody who's never come to church here to pull in our parking lot? You ever thought about that? You ever thought how hard it is? Think about the first time. Let me give you a story. I'll never forget. Uh, we tried uh, with my three-year-old to bring her to Club Elevate one time. That worked for a season. She's just not ready. And I was driving here with her in the back seat, and I'm telling her it's going to be okay. She's like, Dad, where are we going? I'm going to shove you in a basement. You're going to be with all your friends. Life's going to be great. That's what I told her. You know? I had no idea. I don't know. You, maybe you won't be okay. I don't know, but I want to comfort her. You know, I'm going to throw you to the lions here in a little bit. So I said, hey, we're going to come. And I, I got like right uh, probably two miles away from the church. And something just came over me. and said, Jordan, don't forget this feeling. And I was like, I was like what feeling? Don't forget the feeling of how you feel to go to the church right now to drop your daughter off here in this place. I'm the pastor of the church. I spend so much time here. I mean, like, I'm here all the time. Like, I'm like, what feeling? And then I pulled in the parking lot, and I got nervous. Why was I nervous? Why was I so nervous? I'm nervous for her because I want her experience to be one that she remembers and brings her great joy and has the opportunity to come back again. Now, I was thinking about this as I pulled in the parking lot. I'm like, how many people pull in our parking lot and go, man, this is the Sunday. I'm going to do this. I'm going to come to church this Sunday. And they get in the parking lot like, nope, pull right around. I mean, some of you guys were in that same spot, right? Some of you guys, when you first got to church here, I mean, you were in the same spot. You came in, you sat down, you're terrified. What if somebody shakes my hand? I don't know where that hand has been. I don't know who they are. What if they invite me to a potluck? Oh my goodness, I don't know who cooked that food. I could get sick, I could die. I mean, you start thinking these crazy things, right? 
And so what happens is I don't think we understand how much work we have to do to prepare somebody's way even to come into this fellowship. Sometimes it means we have to go pick them up. We have to put them in the backseat of our car. Hey, everything's going to be okay. I really hope everything's going to be okay. Right? I hope they don't talk to Jordan today. Right? And some of you guys are like legitimately you're like, yeah, I pray that all the time. I pray I don't have to talk to you this Sunday. Right? But that's what somebody's thinking. Man, I hope the pastor doesn't think. I remember one time I talked to a guy who uh, was come to our church, and he legitimately asked me, he says, do you make visitors stand up? I was like, no, but we should do that. No, I'm just kidding. I said, no, we don't. Where did you get that from? Who would do that? Why would you do such a sick and twisted and demented thing? But I started thinking about it. I was like, wow, that's where people, think about the people who you want to come to know Jesus Christ and what they have to overcome even to get into this congregation. You got to enter into two, three doors sometimes before you even get a seat. And man, we got to prepare the way for people to get in here. 2014, we got to prepare the people to get into the parking lot. We got to prepare the people to get into the building. We got to prepare the people to sit down next to us. Don't worry, it's okay, I got you. See, what I'm learning with my daughter is the same thing I'm learning with new believers is that I really got to get right next to them and say, hey, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. I got you. I'll take care of you. Don't talk to that guy. He's kind of weird. Come over here. <laughs> you can talk to this person. You know what I'm saying? I got to really prepare the way for them. Why? Because they're infants and, and they don't understand. Think of how you care for a child. This is how we care for our congregation. Amen? Okay, think about that next time you invite somebody to church. Think about all the steps they have to take to get here. Okay, number two, <clears throat> prepare by clearing the way. We talked about this a little bit, and let's kind of break this thing open. Look at uh, Luke chapter three, and uh, let's read four through six. It says this. As it is written in the book, the words of Isaiah the prophet, <clears throat> and here Luke starts to quote some of the Old Testament, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Prophecy fulfilled right here in scripture. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall become straight. The rough places shall become level ways. And all flesh shall see the what? Salvation of God. See what happens when we prepare the way. You make straight the path. All will see the salvation of God, okay? Number two, write that down. Prepare by clearing the way. Prepare by clearing the way of the Lord. Luke, like Matthew and Mark and John, quote specifically from Isaiah 40 because John the Baptist, like all these Old Testament prophets, all right, what he's doing is he's a desert prophet who prepares the way for Jesus Christ, and John, like all these prophets, are voices from God. You ever thought about yourself like that? Is your voice from God? Whoa. Real, really? You ever think about that? Somebody who you want to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're a mouthpiece for Jesus Christ. I don't want to get that wrong. But I want to try. Because God loves it when I mess up. He's like, I can work with that, right? He's like, that's okay. You said the completely wrong thing. We'll, we'll do that. He's a God who clears up mistakes. And so John is the one, like all these other prophets, voices for God, calling people in their cultures to get back into the right relationship with God. You realize that's what we're doing as a church? We're calling people back into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Why? Midwest uh, religion is this. Go talk to somebody, I dare you. Hey, you believe in Jesus Christ as your uh, Lord and Savior? I believe in God. Didn't ask you that. What do you think about Jesus? Who's Jesus? 
Not kidding. You're like, Jordan, you ever caught that? I've had that conversation three times with people who live in our community. Who's Jesus? He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He's the Savior of the world. How'd you miss that? I don't really read the Bible. But you believe in God? Yeah. So do the demons and so does Satan. They know exactly who he is, but they don't get to go to heaven. Why not? Because they haven't confessed that he is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And so all of a sudden, we're clearing the way for people to get back into the right relationship with God. And we look at this and we realize that Luke says the same thing that John says. In the Old Testament, when a king, check this out for a second. In the Old Testament, when a king traveled the desert, workers would go before the king to clear the rocks and the obstacles and the garbage and all that other stuff out of the road. So they wanted to make his trip a little bit easier. Okay? Think about uh, rolling out the red carpet. We do that, right? That's what we should do. Uh, Jonathan, red carpet next, next week, just letting you know. Okay, he says, roll out the red carpet. Make the way smooth. Not here, buddy. I mean, out there. Where's your head? All right, so um, for all the people who are coming in, we roll out the red carpet. We say, hey, you're an honored guest. Here's, here's the deal. Now watch this. In the, in the Old Testament, Luke is leveling the land. When he talks about that, it's a figurative expression symbolizing the way of Jesus the Messiah would be made smooth because there was a large number of people who were ready to receive Jesus' message because of John's work. Now, follow me, church, because this is awesome. There's a large number of people out there who are ready to receive Jesus if you would prepare the way. There's some hindrances. There's some reasons why they're not coming in the building. There's some reasons why they're not here. There's some reasons they don't talk to you. And a lot of the reason they don't talk to you is because you don't say, I'm sorry. Because we let our pride and our ego kind of get in the way. And so all of a sudden, what's happening here is he says here, Luke chapter 1, verse 17, he, John, goes before Jesus in spirit and in the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the Father to the children, the disobedient, to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. We get to heaven. Jesus says, hey, man, why should I let you in the door? I confess with my mouth, I believed in my heart that you were Lord. That's it. That's all I put my faith and trust in. Got it. Check. You get to go. So we start walking in the door and he says, hey, wait, I got a question for you. What'd you do with, uh, what'd you do with Jesus' name? Oh, I took him and I accepted him in my heart. That's not enough for you? He says, oh, no, 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 that's enough. I just wondered if you brought any guests. He says, don't, don't get me wrong. We still know each other. We still have a relationship. I just wondered if you brought anybody else to the party. And you'll start thinking to yourself, man, it'd be nice to have some friends up here. I think about my brother Jack in heaven. Jesus is like, hey, Jack, you bring anybody here? He says, yeah, but they're all there. <laughs> I'm going to bring a lot of people. They're coming. They're coming. All right? Where are we at in our relationship with with preparing the way, clearing the way for people who are all throughout our communities to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Are we creating barriers or are we breaking barriers down? Are we enabling conversations to happen about Jesus or are we a little bit scared? What does the Bible tell us 365 times? Do not be afraid. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. To the end of the age, I'm with you. Wherever you go, I'm there. Jesus is kind of like our awkward friend. He's always there. You're like, you gonna go home yet? Nope. Not until you tell that person about me. Okay, got it. If that's what it takes, I'll do it. Right? 
This is good because our relationship will be better the more you tell people about me. Prepare the way. Um, we have any NASCAR fans here? I mean, would anybody really admit that? This side's like, nope. This side's like, done. <laughs> okay, so we'll have an argument after church, okay? This side against this side. I always said it'd be cool at elder meetings to solve problems with dodgeball. You know what I mean? Like, we just go ahead and here's the issue. Get your shirt of which side you want to be on. And then also we'll just chuck dodgeballs and whoever wins, wins the argument. You know, because the God would be just, right? There's one guy against eight and he wins. God would have wanted that to happen. It's like a new way of casting lots. Completely off base right now, but that's okay. Uh, NASCAR, one more time. Who likes NASCAR in our church? That, cool, okay. Uh, we'll pray for you in a little bit, but watch. Uh, NASCAR races, I don't know if you knew this, they are stopped for the smallest particle. Do you know that? I mean, there could be like one tiny little piece on the track and they're like, they like halt the race. Why? They halt the race because it could be a huge inconvenience for the drivers who are around. They're going so fast and they're going so quick that, that if they hit that little piece, it's gone, right? I mean, I mean you, people could die. So we see this in NASCAR, they, they stop at these obstacles, these uh, pieces of debris, and here's the connection, because I thought this was, this was fascinating. God wants you to remove the trash so he can run full throttle in your life. See, because some of us, we can't run full throttle because there's so much junk on the track, and we just won't repent of it. See how that works? There's just so much garbage that's just all over the track. And you're like, man, I want to be on fire for Jesus Christ. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to just bring all these people into the fold. I want to do that. And God's like, listen, I would love to crank up the throttle, but you got some junk going on in here, and you need to get rid of it. You need to repent. You need to turn from yourself, and you need to follow me. Saddest part in, in the local church, I see it all the time, is when people won't take responsibility for their own faults. And most of the time when we don't do that, we hinder the growth of the church. We get scared, we get uneasy, we get nervous. And that's what God looks at us and he says, man, I want to run full throttle in your life, but we got to clear the track. Let me give you some application, then we'll finish up. The work of John the Baptist was only the beginning of preparation for the things that would come. Uh, those living in the New Testament culture, uh, to come to know Jesus Christ Jesus' first advent, his first coming, was possible because the prophets and John cleared the way. A few questions for you this morning. I want you to think about these things. One, you know what? Let's do this. Close your eyes. Think about these things. Just think about this for a second. One, whose way are we making easier to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ because we're doing the heavy lifting for them? This Christmas season, we're preparing the way. We want Jesus to come. Whose way are we making easier to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior? We're prepping. We're preparing. Two, what roads are we clearing and obstacles are we making easier for those that don't know Jesus Christ as Savior? Some people are not following you to church. Some people are not following you as a Christian because they see the inability for you to repent. It's just true. It's just the way it is. Three, what trash are we willing to get rid of to really, truly celebrate and anticipate 
this Advent season that Jesus has come and he will come again. And all mankind will see God's salvation. Will we do the work to prepare the way? Luke quotes in Isaiah, and we must understand that Jesus has suffered on our behalf. and He suffered on your friend's behalf. And because he suffered, he cleared the way so that we could come to know God the Father. Think about that in your own life. Somebody prepared the way for you to come to know Jesus Christ. Who was it? I mean, I bet you could think of it. I bet you got their, their name. I bet, you, I bet you're like, man, that guy was such a model for me to follow. He prepared the way. She prepared the way. She just did a phenomenal job. And I just, I just got to accept Jesus Christ because of that. That's awesome. Now, who are you going to do that for? It's called paying it forward. Who can you do that for somebody else? Jesus' blood was our payment for our sins and our repentance is our salvation. The disciples saw Jesus' full glory, but yet we forget sometimes that everyone will see the glory of the Lord when Christ comes again. But which side will they be on? Will they see the glory that will be manifested in an eternal relationship or will they see the glory that is manifested in a wrath? Whose way are we preparing? Whose way will we clear for those to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior? I'll leave you with one passage of Scripture. Jesus came and he says to them, this is a verse that's taken straight out of Scripture, Matthew 28, right before he commands us to go. Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus says, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Son of God, I'm the King of kings, I'm the Lord of lords, I'm the one you've been looking for, I'm the one who has come, and I'm the one who's going to come again. And he says right there, he says, go therefore, brothers and sisters, Community Gospel Church, Jordan Muck, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, clearing the way to be able to baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, Teach them some of these things and observe all that I have commanded you so that people can come into the fold and to the flock of God. I love the last part. Don't miss this, church. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. This is the reason for the season. This is why Jesus is the Messiah and the King of Kings. He says right there, you can see it. And behold, I am with who? I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you, church. Am I going to go alone? Nope, I'm with you. I'm going to be all by myself in this fight? Nope, I'm with you. And I will be with you always to the end of the age. Until your life is over, I'm going to be there. And then, and then when it's all over, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to bring you on home and I'm going to escort you and I'm going to say, hey, bring the party. Because then at the end, watch, here's what happens. Then at the end, all of a sudden, angels are standing there and they're like, hey, 